Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the dude. Are you the type of person that's looking to build your liquor collection in your own home? Then go to Country Wine and Spirits Online Liquor Superstore. But check this out. They've also got a monthly vault membership. It's an exclusive offer. What does a monthly membership tips Country Wine and Spirits give you? Well, I'll tell you. You get free two to five business days ground shipping on all your orders over 50 bucks. Special offers, free mystery vault gifts in every shipment. And if you sign up right now, it's only $19.95 a month for the first three months. And if you sign up for this membership, you get 10% off site-wide on every purchase, including sale items. Plus, as a special with Hey Bartender podcast, you get the 10% off if you join the membership. But if you use Hey Bartender 5, you get 5% off your complete purchase. So you're getting 15% off your entire order if you sign up for the membership, plus use Hey Bartender 5 coupon at check out. So go to cwspirits.com, sign up for the membership, get 10% off your entire order, free shipping over $50. Plus, remember to use coupon code HEYBARTENDER5 for an extra 5% off. You can't beat that deal. Go to cwspirits.com. Hi, my name is Megan Belzer. I work for Humboldt Distillery and you're listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. Welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast. I'm your bartender for the evening. You can call me Anthony. That's just fine with me. Today, I've got a really cool guest. She is from San Diego, California, right? San Diego, California. Yep. She's from San Diego, California. Her name is... Uh, Megan Balser, did I say that right? Yes. Cool. That's so cool. All right. Uh, welcome to the uh, Hey Bartender podcast. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so we can get the show started? Um, well, I grew up on the East Coast. I've been out in San Diego for about 10 years now. I started my career in New York City and then moved here shortly after. And I, like I said, I've been here 10 years now, um, bartending and behind the stick. Oh, that's uh, going from East Coast to West Coast. That that was it. A culture shock for you? Cause, oh yeah, hundred percent. People here are a lot more friendly um, <laughs> than the city for sure. It was a little different because a lot of people will say hi to you on the street, whereas in New York City, no one no one really does that, and everyone's like really helpful and a lot more friendly here. Oh, real. See, I've never been to New York myself. Well, uh, I spent two weeks in Rochester, but there was eight feet of snow on the ground at the time and I didn't get out and do much. So there was a culture shock because I'm originally from Oregon and I live in uh, West Texas right now and okay. kind of the same thing, a little bit of culture shock. Some people are really friendly and if, uh, but people in Oregon are really friendly too, but just in a different way where yeah. uh, in Oregon you might get a what's up, you know, get the head nod and all that stuff. 
out here, people come up and say, how you doing? And I, uh, and then me trying to get used to it. I'm like, what, what, what do you, what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) What do you want from me? (laughs) But you know, you get used to it after a while. So anyway, to get the show started officially, I like my guests to start off with a drink special. So, uh, what do you have for us today? Um, well, being it's Negroni week, I thought uh, Negroni would be perfect. I usually make mine the traditional way, one part uh, Campari, uh, one part sweet vermouth. Um, but I also work for Humboldt Distillery, and we have a hemp-infused vodka, which is great in a Negroni. Um, I also like to add a couple dashes of cucumber bitters. I don't know if you've ever had it. It no. has like a really nice, like, refreshing, um, extremely... Uh, like natural cucumber taste in the drink as well. Wow. Okay. Um, cucumber gets used a lot more than when I, uh, than when I used to be a bartender. It's it's weird. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, what do you call it? Um, I would have to call it the hemp negroni. Hemp negroni. I like that. So, uh, those of you out there who are able to try that out, if uh, you try it and you taste it, and uh, let me know what you thought about it. You can email me, dude, at heybartenderpodcast.com, or we can give you Megan's information towards the end of the show. Cool? Yeah. All right. So uh, let's start at the beginning. Now, um, let's let's not, I'm not, we're going to skip over birth, the awkward teenage years and all that okay. stuff. So <laughs> Hey Bartender Podcast uh, mostly has to do with the service industry and people that work, you know, servers, bartenders, hostesses. Uh, I'm trying to get uh, flight attendants added to that list too. Uh, oh, I have somebody for you. <laughs> oh, uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but anybody that works in the service industry that works with people, yeah. um, especially the food food service industry. So, when uh, when did you get started in the food service industry? Wow, um, probably at the ripe age of eighteen when I was able to serve. Um, so I started in Connecticut. Um, at a small uh, restaurant called Delaney's um, in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, and then I didn't really start bartending until I moved to the city. So you, uh, you're you 18, you're fresh. Is it Was that your first job officially? No. Uh, no, I've had like little jobs here and there when I was a teenager in high school. Um, but then when um, I decided to go into the service industry, I, well, I, I started serving first, so I was a waitress. Mm-hmm. So, what was it like going into your first waitress, uh, first waitressing job? Because I remember a little, a little bit of anxiety in myself. You know, like I, I actually have to talk to these people, and then uh, what if I get their order wrong? All that stuff. Well, what was it like for you? Yeah, the big part is definitely memorization. But back then, I think it was more like regulated—not regulated. What do you say? More common for people to write stuff down, whereas now, like people want you to memorize their their order. But it was a family restaurant. It was like a neighborhood restaurant. So it was really casual. I knew a lot of the people who already were regulars there and worked there. So well, it's kind of seamless. Well, thank God that the memorizing orders isn't as common or uh, <laughs> now than when it back when I was a server. Right? I feel like nobody ever writes my order down when I... When I yeah, because uh, there are days where I'm good. Like You can tell me, you know, I can have yeah. a four top. You can tell me specific orders. and uh, There were days where I could remember all of that without writing it down. But then there are other days where I had the memory of a goldfish. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's like, what kind of beer did you order? Coors Light. How could I forget that? Okay, I'll right? be right back. But was 
did you feel like that there was a lot of training involved in order to, or a learning curve? Let's, let's go that direction. Um, I don't know. I feel like with any service job, you get kind of thrown to the, you know, thrown to the wolves. Um, I just remember having to study a menu, you know, having to study all the beers, all the liquor, everything that was, you know, everything they served there basically. So, uh, how many beers did you have on tap then? Oh, I don't even remember. Probably. It was a lot. Probably 10 or 12. Probably 10 or 12. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I worked at a couple bars that had that about that many beers on tap, and you get that one person that says, what do you have on tap? And you name off all 10, 12 beers, right. and they just order a Bud Light. And <laughs> <laughs> they always do that because most of the beers that you like rattle off to them, they won't recognize, so they just go to their comfort zone. Yeah, because in Oregon, I don't know what it was like in Connecticut for you, but uh, uh, in Oregon, microbreweries were really, still are really, really popular. And so every bar had to have as many microbrews as possible. And it, it was just, some of the stuff was tough to remember, especially when some got rotated out every few, uh, every few oh, months. Yeah, sure. yeah. And, uh, it's like, oh, well, we have this, oh, it's not there. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> what was it like working? Uh, do you remember any, you know, uh, uh, any uh, fond memories or uh, any moments that, that in particular that you remember uh, when you were a waitress? Well, like I said, it was like a neighborhood family bar. So it was just really nice having all the regulars there. You know, everyone kind of knew each other. Um, it was in a busy neighborhood in New Haven. So um, always a lot of movement, you know, no day was ever the same, which is what I really like about the industry. Yeah. So everybody pretty much knew each other, but what, uh, like, was it a small town bar type of thing? It was just like more of a neighborhood style, so a lot of people from the neighborhood would come in um, pretty regularly. So we definitely have those regulars that were there like every day for half the hour. So, well, one thing that I remembered just recently. Now, uh, see, do you see if you agree with me? You're walking around town. You're at the grocery store. Let's say you're picking up whatever you need. And then all of a sudden, you run into one of your regulars. And there was one of the one time I remember in particular where this one guy was just like, "Hey, we're gonna party this weekend, right?" And I said, "Well, you're gonna party, but I'm gonna be working." <laughs> right. Uh, uh, did meeting up with regulars on on the outside? Did anything like that ever happen? Um, not really at that place. No. Mm. Well, uh, maybe maybe it was just me, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But the small town that I used to uh, bartend at, yeah, pretty much everybody knew everybody to the point also where the servers and the bartenders all knew each other. And uh, that came in really handy, especially when there was a particular mean drunk in town. But, so you moved on from uh, waitressing uh, to bartending. What made you make that decision? Um, well, I was working in New York City at the time, um, and obviously bartenders make more money. Um, so that's kind of what, what my drive was. Um, <laughs> it's really expensive to live in the city. So definitely pushed, um, to be behind the bar. Um, now I've talked to a handful of, uh, New York bartenders, all really, really cool people. And, uh, I've often wondered, yes, it is expensive to live. Whereabouts in New York did you live? I lived all over. Um, I lived in Brooklyn, Queens. I lived in Chinatown for a couple of years. I lived in the financial district, so I lived all over. The cost of living in New York City uh, is really high. Uh, I've yeah. I've seen tons of TikTok videos where the person's paying something like fifteen hundred dollars a month 
for something the size of a one bedroom or a studio apartment, you know, and, or more than that even, but, but, uh, in New York, in the places that I've heard about, at least I'm not going to single anyone out. Um, they didn't really give, uh, the people I talked to didn't really get an hourly wage. They worked strictly on tips. Was that the case for you? Pretty much. I, I don't remember what um, the minimum wage was at the time, um, but by the time you made your tips, um, it got canceled out by taxes. So basically, you were working for, I, I really forgot, it's probably, probably like 5 or $6 an hour. Um, and by the time you got taxed on all that, you were just basically left with your tips. So yeah, tips are very important. Yeah, I've, that's something that I've never really agreed on. And in actually, this, all the stories that I've heard about it, especially when it comes to the tip-out policies, uh, where uh, there have been a couple uh, servers that I've talked to, not just in New York, but in a couple other places around the world, where they say that the certain percentage based on your sales, you have to tip out the busser, you have to tip out the hostess, you have to tip out the cook, you have to tip out the dishwasher. And there are times where they went home in the negative, because of those policies that ever happened to you? Never. Thank God. Yeah. No, uh, it depends on where you work and it depends on like how many, how much support staff you have. Um, I would say, but I never really, now it's more common to have to tip out the hostess and tip out the, um, like back of the house. But wherever I work, it was usually just your bar back and yeah, like maybe a percentage to the hostess. Mm. But that was about it. So when you started bartending, you you had already been in the server for a long time. Uh, was it everything yeah. you'd hoped it would be on, uh, when you started bartending? Um, honestly, I kind of missed um, cocktail waitressing, really, um, just because of the the movement. Um, and I think it took me a long time to get used to being stuck behind the bar and not necessarily saying stuck, but being confined. Mm. Um, so just being confined to one space and you're, you know, you only have so far to move. Um, so that was different for sure. So cocktail wait- waitressing, uh, where, wherever you did, were you one of those cocktail waitresses that held the, um, held no. the tray above your head? <laughs> uh, you didn't do that? No, I did not. Yeah. Um, I had a, I had a coworker that was really, really good at that. And she t- used to tell me a story where one guy would, uh, tried to reach up and you know she's got the tray perfectly balanced and one guy just decides to reach up and try to snag a beer and all the beers end up falling on him and sure. yeah, he deserves it. <laughs> yeah and uh, I, I think the ending of that story was her uh, leaning into him and saying when's the next time you're going to do that you know <laughs> but you uh, were you the ones that uh, held the tray right in front of you or Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it was a craft cocktail bar. I had to be able to see the drinks. It was it never really got that crowded. Um, so, yeah, definitely held in front of me. Had to see where they were at all times. I couldn't. I couldn't probably maneuver through a crowd with a tray above my head for sure. So, um, educate me a little bit on what a uh, craft cocktail bar is because I hear that term all the time, but I'm I'm not really uh, certain on what craft cocktail bar means? Um, so I worked at a place called Tegu Club, which is one of the first ones in um, New York City. And I think that the best way to describe it would be just fresh juices, house-made syrup. Usually there's craft spirits as well. 
Um, so you know what that means, like small batch, um, yeah. you know, harder to find, more esoteric brands. Just a handcrafted cocktail. Uh, do they? Was it their own specific cocktails, or were you still free to order something simple like a rum and coke? Oh, you can definitely order a rum and coke. Yeah, um, it wasn't. It wasn't strict like that. It just. I feel the best way to make anyone happy in you know a bar or lounge is just give them what they want. So there definitely wasn't any restrictions on it, kind of on what you had to order. Like you had to order a cocktail. Mm. Now you said that you felt a little. Uh, for lack of a better term on my part, you were a little claustrophobic behind the bar from time to time. You wanted to move yeah. around. So were you like always chatting with all the customers or were you running around picking up empties constantly? What was your... Um, I'd say a little of both. Mm. Um, that's kind of another, um, I guess, aspect about bartending that's different from serving is that you are, you're in front of the guests at all times. Um, so, and everything you need is pretty much in front of you as well. Uh, so you don't really have to be running back and forth, um, unless you're at an extremely busy bar. Um, so yeah, I would say a little of both, you know, the weekend's obviously a lot more busy, you know, sometimes you were three deep, um, but then on the slower nights is when you get to actually, you know, stand in one spot, whereas the cockroaches, you don't really get to do that. Mm. Um. So uh, the thing, uh, I, there were days where I was lazy, honestly, and just stayed behind the bar and let my servers handle it or, or my wait staff to handle everything. But usually I sent them home early and then I'd have to do everything myself, but it would annoy me some of the time. Uh, just as a person that works in the service industry, I walk over to a table and see that they've turned one of my glasses into a garbage can, you know, that's full of cigarette butts, (laughs) a napkin, maybe a spitter. And I'm just like, Oh God, please people. What the hell? Uh, was, uh, did you see that a lot also? Um, I feel like everyone tends to do that. Yeah. I mean, they don't, there's not really anywhere to put anything. And I guess like you use gum, they'll like, you know, put in a napkin, but then they'll put it in their glass. I mean, I think, I think in their heads, like at the time, they're thinking that they're actually helping you by putting all of their little yeah. garbage and used items like in a receptacle, if you will. It, it's so, not like it wasn't hard to get rid of, but it's still yeah. well, from time to time it's a little true. disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to cut that stuff. <laughs> but uh, so in uh, while you're bartending out, uh, out in New York, uh, what was not cost of living? What was your what was the living situation like for you? Were you able you uh, able to live fairly comfortably uh, with your bartending wages? <laughs> this is actually a funny story. Um, I lived in a seven bedroom loft in Chinatown um, that was basically illegal. Um, <laughs> so they had chopped it up. They chopped it up into seven different rooms. It was eight hundred bucks a month. It was super cheap at the time to live in Manhattan, um, and I lived there for like two or three years. And we always had, we always had five like core people that always stayed there. And then the other two bedrooms um, were always rotating because it was a month to month type of place. Mm. Um, it wasn't a place that you were meant to like live in a long time. It was basically for people new to the city. It was furnished, you know, it was smack dab in the middle of Manhattan, lower Manhattan anyways. But there were five of us for sure that definitely stayed there for a couple of years and I'm still friends with them. 
And then we just had those two rotating bedrooms and we didn't know who was going to move in because we never had a choice. It was the landlord who just, you know, took the money and, and let them move in. So. Mm. Was that type of living situation scary from time to time? I mean, you said you're friend, really. you friends I mean, with everybody. But. Yeah, we were friends with everybody. And then, not really. I mean, I feel like when you live in the city, if you live in any city in general, you're always, you know, watching your back or, like, being safe. Um, your guard's never really down. Um, but I, I always felt safe there. I was also way younger. So, you know, things don't affect you well, as yeah. they do now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, in my twenties, I thought I was invincible, but now, oh, yeah, for sure. now that I'm yeah. 45, I'm worried about, uh, breaking an ankle, you know, walking upstairs or something. Like <laughs> exactly. Exactly. See, like at that time I thought it was fun, you know, like we'd all hang out. They'd come to, they'd come to my bar sometimes and hang out, you know, everyone would always have visitors in town. Um, it was a lot of fun. Well, this is an unfair question, uh, uh but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, did your were your friends the type to come into your bar and say, "Hey, hook me up"? Or uh... um, I don't know necessarily like hook like say hook me up, but I definitely had um, some of my roommates bring dates in there, you know, and they would, you know, they definitely want to impress them. Mm-hmm. So I have to get a little bit more attention. You know, they'd be like, "Oh, I'm bringing a date, a date by tonight," you know, so and so. So. So, uh, uh, they, but they mentioned that they're bringing, uh, bringing, bringing a date home. Does that where the, you wish you had noise at the time had noise canceling headphones? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah with close quarters and walls. <laughs> gotta, gotta go to the drugstore and pick up some earplugs on the way home. <laughs> right. But you know, on nothing, nothing against anybody who has friends or like, uh, things like that. I've had people try w- with me to make themselves look big, look, look popular and stuff like that. But I always made it backfire on him. There, there was a one guy that was a, uh, am, ambitious politician. He want, he wanted to become a politician when he grew up. It, he was grown, but, uh, he always tried to act like he knew everybody in the bar. And then all of a sudden he's like, Oh, Anthony and I have known each other for a long time. Right. That right. Anthony. I'm like, I look at him and go, what? I've, I met you yesterday. <laughs> you know, and, right. and then he'd get kind of flustered for a second. We still ended ended up being friends. Yeah. Uh, just, he knew I was kind of no nonsense and, you know, I'm not going to make you look good. You don't tip me enough. <laughs> anyway, moving, moving on. So what made you, well, was, was that, uh, New York where you decided that you wanted to move over to, uh, the West coast? Well, I actually had a two, two friends of mine who I used to work with at Pegu. They both moved out here. Um, and they got jobs, um, both of them um, worked at the Kimpton downtown here. And I had actually never been to San Diego before, and they kind of coerced me. It took months. Um, <laughs> they coerced me to come work for them because they were running the bar program. You know, I the warm weather and definitely the not 4 a.m. last call was definitely something that drew me to California. In New York City, last call is, you know, 4 a.m. You don't get home until 6. The sun's coming up. Yeah. Um, but here, last call is like 1.45, and you're probably home in bed by like 3. Right. So that was very appealing to me. Also, like I said, the weather, I know I'm an East Coast girl, but I still don't like, I don't like the snow, and I don't like the cold. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was definitely a good change for me. And I'm still here. 
Oh, you know, uh, you must like it there because you're still there. Yeah. Uh, so you continued in the service industry when uh, once you moved over to the East Coast then, or West Coast, I'm sorry. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I continued working with them. It was, I only worked there for less than a year. It was a hotel, so it was a very different setup. You know, hotel bars are more for people who are, you know, traveling, coming in. They're not really posting up. You don't really have any regulars. So the money wasn't great. And then I found out that this L.A. bar was opening in San Diego. So I applied, and I got that job. So, yeah, I spent almost five years working at um, the Seven Grand um, in San Diego. Now, here's, uh, once again, the uh, culture shock. Now, you've dealt with customers on the East Coast, uh, bar customers, drunk people, all East Coast. And then all of a sudden, you uh, you know, you're, like you said, you say last calls at 4 a.m., now, people, yeah. I'm sure, at 4 a.m. are don't need to drink probably by that time. But yeah. you get over to the West Coast. Was it, did it feel like you were on a different planet with these customers or at all? Um, not really. I mean, um, yeah, I feel like not necessarily a different planet, but just a different vibe. Like, people in New York City definitely are looking to party. If they're out to party they're definitely looking to party all night mm. um and i feel like it's a lot more mellow out here um so no one's really going hard till 6 a.m they're fine with the bar closing at two yeah what about the like the liquor laws did any of the liquor laws come from new york to california uh really weird you out well on the east coast we don't have liquor in like cvs or like um Walgreens or even really the grocery store. Um, so that, that's really different here. Um, you can't buy liquor after I think nine or 10 PM. Um, so that's different as well. Yeah. Well, it, uh, other States, Oregon didn't do that either. Texas doesn't sell liquor in stores unless it's like wine and beer. But I remember going up to Washington one time and going into a Costco and seeing a pallet of half gallon jugs of fireball and I'm sta- standing there staring at it going, now that is a huge palette of bad decisions right there. But, uh, you know, it just depends on the state and you know, what, what the yeah, laws are. I mean, I, I feel like California is pretty, pretty last. I mean, uh, Las Vegas, I'm sure they sell it, uh, at your seven 11. No, I'm, I'm only guessing, but, uh, <laughs> uh but it things that things like that give you throw you off. You're you're just going into the grocery store to pick up some uh, pick up some food, and all of a sudden you walk by a, a, a you know a big thing a uh, big aisle of vodka, gin, rum, triple sec, you know, all that stuff. Um, honestly, it's a lot more convenient to just do all your shopping in one spot. So, I mean, I just thought it was you know just a convenient thing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think it would throw me off a little bit to see somebody walking down the aisles and all of a sudden throw in a uh, a bucket of margarita mix, a, bo- a bottle of tequila, and then uh, a bag of diapers. I think that would throw me right. off a little bit. I'm not judging. I don't judge. But <laughs> one stop shop. <laughs> Located in California, Humboldt Distillery aims to capture the natural spirit of the beautiful, undeveloped coastline and redwood forests. 
They prioritize organic ingredients and sustainable production methods, especially aiming to preserve the waterways and coastlines so loved by the people of Humboldt. Their spirits are 60% water sourced from the county's pristine water source from the landscapes enjoyed by many generations and many more to come. Humboldt's Finest is a uniquely botanical spirit infused with locally grown hemp. This homage to Humboldt County's most iconic cash crop drinks like a gin, but not. The spirit is refreshing and herbaceous with notes of pine, cucumber, green tea, lemongrass, and basil. Try the infused vodka with the cocktails such as the Pineapple Express or South Side of Humboldt. Go to CW Spirits today where you can find three of Humboldt Distillery's finest vodka and rum. They have an organic spiced rum, an organic vodka, and a hemp-infused vodka, all at 40% ABV. Just remember when you use CWSpirits.com, make sure you use promo code HEYBARTENDER5 at checkout and get 5% off your entire order. And any orders over $125 get free shipping. Go to CWSpirits.com, get yourself a bottle from Humboldt Distilleries, and remember to use code HEYBARTENDER5 at checkout. Is it from that restaurant that you moved on out of the service industry and started working for uh, Humboldt Distillery? No. Um, oh. I worked at a couple of different places um, before I started working for them. So I've only been working for them for a little over a year now. Mm. I think it was definitely the pandemic that pushed me to go to um, the other side of the bar. Um, I still wanted to be in the industry. I still wanted to be in the liquor industry. Um, I knew that, um, but I didn't, with the ups and downs and the closures, we had three closures here, so it just made more sense, and I felt more secure um, going into the brand side. Now, uh, yeah, the pandemic, ha- uh, it hurt the service industry, everybody that was, uh, For sure. even here in West Texas, which sometimes I refer to the corner of no and where, uh, <laughs> a lot of restaurants went out of business because... Uh, of the pandemic. Yeah, here too. My, the, the last bar I worked at in San Diego um, closed due to the pandemic. And uh, that's uh, that was hard for a lot of small business owners. I felt sorry yeah. for every single one of them. And some of them were really cool. I, I enjoyed their establishment, but uh, I was like, uh, you're, how much money are you making with this whole drive-through type of ordering? And they're sitting there going, we're not making shit. And yeah. so you got laid off from for a period of time? No, um, my bar was, my bar closed. Just closed completely. We couldn't, um, yeah, it was, it was lots of different factors, but the pandemic definitely was the one that pushed it to the edge. Um, so my owner decided to close it for good. Um, she was open almost 12 years. Um, and then, yeah. And so then I was, it was, Oh, I forgot. I had a, um, (laughs) I had a COVID job. I worked at a liquor store doing um, customer service uh, for a short period of time. It was about six or seven months. Uh, you worked at a liquor store? Yes. Oh, okay. So I, worked, I worked behind the scenes. I, um, I worked for an e-commerce website that was in a liquor store, but I would, would have to go to the liquor store um, and you know use their computer and laptop. So basically what I did all day um, was just answer emails and call people about out-of-stock items. Mm. Um, so the 
the owner, he really wanted to hire somebody that knew about alcohol in case that something was out of stock and needed, they needed a referral for something else. But also they just needed somebody that like knew about liquor, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was my COVID job. It was interesting. Um, a lot of people order moonshine all over the country. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that seems to I be the thing nowadays. All of the flavors of moonshine. So these are like these really like hard to find like whiskeys where our clientele or like people who are looking for all the flavors of moonshine. Yeah, that seems to be the thing nowadays. I don't know. Was it the, uh, because of that Discovery Channel show, moon, uh, I, I don't remember, Moonshine or Shine Runners or whatever it was called. But uh, Moonshine has become the big thing nowadays. And I <laughs> In the consumer world, I think so, like, for sure, but, um, I don't know, not, not in, um, not on, like, in, like, bars and restaurants. No, bars and restaurants still don't carry that stuff, and, uh, I don't, I, I don't know, I, I, it's one of those things to me, like, just because of, you know, I watched Dukes of Hazard when I was a kid, and, or, you know, the stories that I've heard on TV, uh, you know, moonshine is up there with Everclear. I don't sit back and think that you are supposed to drink it. You're supposed to drive it in your car to make a getaway or something like that <laughs> just because of the high alcohol content. But uh, I'm sure they keep it at a certain percentage uh, for consumer use. I think it was the appeal. Yeah, of course. I think it was the appeal of all the flavors, too, that you could just put it over ice and it would be like a pre-made cocktail ready to go. Yeah. I've seen uh, a handful of them that have all sorts of flavors, mostly fruit, but uh, yeah, um, having somebody uh, that had to have been a pretty uh, particular job to work at a uh, work for a liquor distributor company, company or store or whatever, uh, because uh, I had an experience this last week where I walked into a liquor store with this list of uh, liquor that I uh, wanted to make drinks with for TikTok and. I, uh, you know, went up to the cashier and he's, Hey, what can I help you with? And I said, uh, can you tell me where the Campari is? And he goes, what's, what's that? And I'm like, uh, and then I get on my cell phone and I said, it looks like this. And he goes, I don't think I've seen that before. Let me get my boss out here. And, uh, and then another one where I, uh, same guy, he's, uh, he says, uh, can I help you find anything else? And I said, Miss Cal. And he goes, what's that? And I'm like, oh <laughs> dear God, where did where did you come from? <laughs> you have to have knowledgeable people if you're going to be working, you know, with anything with alcohol. Now, uh, did they ever were uh, did you you were answering questions uh, for people? Uh, am I wrong? Yeah, so I basically did like the customer service. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like behind the computer the whole time, just answering emails. Um, I had to call people a lot because um, a lot of the items were out of stock, especially during the pandemic. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't get some of the um, scotches or whiskeys that they wanted. Um, so I would have to call and suggest an alternative of what we did have in stock um, or like ask them if they wanted to wait six weeks until the next, you know, possible shipment came in. And then also, yeah, I would, call people if they didn't want to do that, give them refunds, um, or just strictly tell them that it's out of stock. We don't, we have no idea where we're going to get it kind of thing. So, so, so you didn't have to deal with question. Good. You didn't have to deal with questions like what goes with Cornish game hen? No. Okay. 
Okay. That that would throw me off too. Just, I'm like, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was was that a difficult job because you're dealing directly with the customers and some of them are really looking forward to getting that. And oh yeah. <laughs> and you know, did we had one guy. He actually was. We had a lot of customers that were in Texas. We had one guy order. I don't know. I think it was eight thousand dollars worth of whiskey. Holy crap! Um, and it was lost. It went to uh, the wrong city. Oh. <laughs> so that's what? when I had to get on the phone and track it down and make sure it got to him. Mm. Um, otherwise, we were going to have to refund him that all that money. Right. He was also really looking forward to like these rare whiskeys that he had bought. So, well, I guess yeah. it, I you... ended up tracking it down. Though I tracked it down, it got sent to a restaurant, and I was able to like have UPS pick it up and then send it to his house. Well, you say eight thousand dollars worth of whiskey. Now, uh, I I I was shocked by that, but. Uh, you said there were specific kind of whiskeys, and so the price varies. It's either four hundred bottles of Jack Daniels or one bottle of Louis the Thirteenth. You know, so uh, pretty much there shouldn't be too much of a shock. Yeah, there. I had a lot of pappies in there. There were a few pappies in there. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, dur- doing that, did you make connections, or did you make friends with the uh, the dis- uh, distilleries, the distributors, and all that? Um, yeah, we did have our um, distributor reps that came into the store um, quite frequently. They would come in, you know, obviously once a week to do the orders and to basically go through all our labels to see uh, what they had in stock, um, whether it be with, um, like, Southern or Young. And so I did make friends with them. That's actually how I ended up working for Humboldt. Is, uh, one, of, one of the women that came in, she worked for Humboldt as well as a few other brands, and I had known her from one of the restaurants that I worked at. So she connected me and gave me a good referral for Humboldt. We had it in the store and we had it at the last bar that I worked at. So um, she helped me make the connection to get out of the liquor store. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Going through all the talking with distributors, making a lot of friends, connections and stuff like that, you were able to get a job with Humboldt. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I was already a fan because um, we had carried it my, at my last bar. Um, the bar that I worked at before um, the closures. Um, so I was already familiar with the brand. And then, yeah, I just kind of made the connection when I was working at the store. A question I forgot to ask you when you were dealing with all the distributors all at once. Whenever I had ambassadors or people trying to sell their product or do uh, some big thing at my bar, uh, like Budweiser would come in or Miller or something like that, First question I'd ask him, I'd go, where's your swag? I want T-shirts. I want buttons. I want <laughs> lanyards. Really? You, know, give, you know, give me some <laughs> bottle openers because, you know, that's what I look forward to whenever we had some kind of ambassador. Do you have a collection? Oh, man. You know, I used to have way more than I do now. Um, <laughs> but I've definitely sorted through that. I mean, I've always, this has been a running joke, and I've always said this, is that, you know, brands just need to make pants and you can have a full outfit. <laughs> um, pretty much. I mean, I know some some, some brands, like, um, I think Chinar makes, like, sneakers, like Campari. Um, but if everyone just started making pants, you know, everyone would have full outfits to work in. Yeah, just one big... Or go to the gym. And- <laughs> you're just one big advertising, or, you know, advertising space. That's... <laughs> yeah. 
there there was a period of time where I did have a big collection of uh, T-shirts, but I eventually got rid of them because I considered them my uh, dirty work shirts. You know, when it, if I'm yeah. mowing the lawn, I'm wearing one of those shirts. If I'm washing the car, or even when I was working for the newspaper back in the day, because you, know, you work in the newspaper, you get ink all over you. And I was wearing all my liquor shirts whenever I was going to work and stuff like that. And people started thinking, uh, thinking he must be an, uh, an alcoholic because all he does <laughs> right? is wear liquor t-shirts. So I was like, well, that better change right now. So I went to something a little bit more generic, but did you, yeah, I wear, I wear a lot of the t-shirts to the gym, which is kind of not, <laughs> definitely not that lifestyle. Um, people are trying to be healthy, but, uh, you know. I, I don't, I don't go to the gym much. Uh, and I'm, my favorite joke is I like to stand in front of the window at planet fitness while eating McDonald's French fries and, you know, but, uh, that just makes me a jerk. Not, <laughs> but, but I don't actually do that. Let me preface that for all the listeners out there. I'm just, <laughs> but, um, all right. So, uh, so did you end up giving most of your swag away or did you just, um, yeah, I donated most of it, I think. Yeah. Um, I can't remember anything that's like super cool. Well, I've like sold stuff before for sure. I've sold for net coins on like eBay. Oh, wow. <laughs> People like will pay a lot of money for those. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this for net coin? Like, mm-hmm. you know? Um, as for going to the gym where, while wearing, uh, yeah, everybody at the gym's uh, judgmental, but as long as you don't smell like Coors Light as you're running on the treadmill, you're fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a friend of mine joked about that earlier. He said he kind of overdid it on Sunday night at the family barbecue. And he goes to the gym this morning and he, he's having a hard time with the workout. And then all of a sudden he realizes he's, he smells like uh beer and said, I got to stop and go to, I'm going to the shower right now. <laughs> <laughs> Better spread it out the next day. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about Humboldt distillery for a little while. Uh, how did you, uh, you, you've already said how you, you hooked up with them. You, you had a, uh, an ambassador or distributor come up and talk to and say, Hey, you'd be great for this job. Helped you get the job. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you were already a fan, so you knew their product pretty well. Uh, did that help you get the job pretty easily? Um, yes and no. Um, I think that they were a little hesitant to um, hire somebody in Southern California. Um, most of their distribution and the people that have worked for them are all up in North, Um, so it took quite a few interviews for me to kind of convince them that I was the right person for the job down here. Mm-hmm. They even told me that they might hire two people up north instead of one person in the south and one person up north. But I ended up getting a job, and they hired another Megan um, up in Northern California. So I'm now Megan, and she's Meg. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was really confusing at first. And since then, we've also hired two more Megans. Um, what so, they call, are they starting a collection of Megan's? <laughs> collection of Megan's, yeah. You have, your name has to be Megan if you work for Humboldt Distillery. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to make it so confusing for everyone. <laughs> uh, I've always wanted to be in that situation where you call out one name and seventeen people say yeah. <laughs> but we all have different names, though. It's like Megan G, Meg. Uh, I'm Megan B. Um, there's. <laughs> there's a uh, Megan uh, M so we all have like initials or you know our, the first letter of our last name but you were the first one to get the Megan at Humboldt distillery or uh, 
the email address with your full name? No, it was the second one. Oh, they hired boy. a girl. In, uh, they heard they hired a girl at uh, NorCal first, and then I was the second one. <laughs> That's a bummer. So, what, uh, what's it like? What's it like uh, doing uh, that ambassadors sort of stuff? Do you travel a lot, or um... Um, I used to travel a lot more um, more frequently than I do now. Um, I used to have um, LA um, as well as San Diego, um, but now my most of my concentration is in San Diego proper. Um, I do go out to the desert a few times a year, and also have Orange County too, like Southern Orange County. Mm. So, I mean, I'm in the car most of the day, I'd say. Now, do you have to go into the place and say, uh, say, hey, how you doing? Will you carry this or uh, just check on their um, orders? Or It's a little bit of everything. So, you, well, when you're cold calling, you're going in and introducing the product. Yeah, and of course, you're trying to get them to buy it or at least carry a few bottles. And then... That's like that's mostly on the off premise that I say like for like stores and retail, um, but when you go into a um, like an on premise establishment like a bar or restaurant, um, that's when you can have a little more time to talk to the person. Um, usually, you'll taste them on it, and then hopefully, you know, end up on a menu or in the back bar. Oh, uh, do you also make suggestions on drinks to make with the stuff? Uh... Yes. Yeah. Uh, to give to the bartender so that they can encourage people to try this uh, new bottle that they may be carrying? Yes. Yeah. So that's also part of my job too is to come up with cocktails for Humboldt, um, whether it be consumer or for behind the bar too. So, I mean, I've come up with cocktails that have been, you know, easy um, to more intricate for like the craft bartenders. Oh, okay. Um, so you come up with the drinks yourself now. I uh, I have a hard time designing drinks because uh, you know with half half the people that are on social media nowadays they're making their own stuff. They I'm going to try this with this, and I I sit back and think uh, ginger liquor with uh, peach schnapps. What are you thinking? But uh, not that I've ever heard that before from anybody. But do you spend a lot of time just thinking about like uh, flavor palettes or uh, what goes what would go well with what? Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like my, my passion. That's why I got into like the craft side of bartending in general. And I miss it a lot. So I'm really fortunate that I still get to like play with flavors and come up with cocktails for Humboldt. See, the first time I heard about Humboldt's hemp infused vodka, I, my first gut reaction was that probably tastes amazing in a Bloody Mary. It's, um, yeah, it's very vegetal. So it goes off on the Bloody Mary. Yeah, uh, but that's as far as my imagination went. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, I was, well, what else would it go with? Uh, let's see, vodka soda. Okay, that's too easy. The uh, vodka cran. Really? Uh, well, maybe. You know. <laughs> but it's crazy. It's, it's a really unique spirit in that um, there's so many possibilities of like flavor pairings with it, and a lot of people taste different things. It um, to more to some people it's more like floral to some people it's more like herbaceous and vegetal. Um, surprisingly, it pairs really well with grapefruit and pineapple. Oh, um, so a lot of and and when you mix with those different things, different notes come out. So, for example, when you mix it with pineapple, you get a lot of basil basil uh, notes to it. Oh, okay. 
I'll have to I'll have to look into that. Uh, <laughs> so I've only uh, found out just recently. Like I've uh, like I was telling you earlier, I knew about uh, Humboldt uh, hemp infused vodka. Is that a very popular vodka right now? Is that on the trend? Uh, for sure. Um, I'd say our organic vodka is our flagship, and that one is um, definitely the most popular. It's actually the best selling organic vodka in California. Ah. Um, and the hemp one is definitely is something that's just unique. There's nothing else like it. Um, it's you know a direct product from Humboldt County. Um, like I always make a joke that you know they had to put some of the local greenery into the bottle. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's nothing else like it, and it's a really well crafted spirit, and it tastes great. So, and, uh, did you get to visit the distillery? Did you get to watch the process? Yeah. yeah, I've been there a few times. Gorgeous up there. It's like where all the redwoods are, um, very close to the Lost Coast. It's really pretty up there. Um, you were also mentioning earlier, I think it was before we started recording, that the, uh, Humboldt actually has their own rum, spiced rum, also. Yeah. Now two rums. <laughs> what was that? We have two rums. Two rums. What? Uh, what are those? So one is like a, a, a it's called an all-purpose gold rum. It's a blended gold rum, and then we have the spice drum, which is the same base except with um, whole organic spices. Is everything that Humboldt tries to do try to be organic? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's admirable. That's really cool. Uh, so, to what extent? Um, just the process. Uh, ingredients. Uh, it's better for the environment to be organic, so it's definitely something that they they pride themselves in. You mentioned the redwood forest. Uh, I've been to the redwood forest before, uh, where Trees of Mystery, I think it was called, uh, where they have a giant Paul Bunyan uh, uh, talking to the cut, uh, talking to the people as they walk in and out of the park, and I all of a sudden got hit with this smell of redwood forest memory is so when you go up to the distillery do you smell that or it smells really clean like fresh like (laughs) (laughs) definitely a lot more the air quality is a lot better up there yeah but the distilling process now did the did they have their master distiller take you through or and explain everything to you to help you be able to push the product Oh, yeah, of course. So it's actually a, a small, uh, still a small craft brand. Um, so the owner is the master distiller, um, and he was my, and still is my boss at the time. So he took me through everything, showed me the whole operation. So it's a small little distillery. Um, How long have they been around? Uh, since 2013. Oh, so they're pretty young still. Okay. Yeah. So, but- yeah, he you know showed me around. Of course, I was familiar with the vodkas. Um, but he let me sample some of the spirits they had up there. Um, they have an apple brandy, which we're waiting to release. Um, it's only available at the distillery. Ooh, apple uh, brandy. We'll be releasing, yeah, we'll be releasing that soon. That, that sounds good. Um, so I got to try that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I've, I've, I've yet to visit any distilleries or even breweries, uh, real breweries. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I started this, uh, podcast, at, uh, maybe four years ago and, you know, and put last lack of funds and, you know, no sob story anyway. But, uh, one of these days I've got to go visit, like start visiting breweries and distilleries and stuff like that. Cause all of them, uh, 
you got uh, all of you ambassadors talk about that the distillery is up in these beautiful magical places you know you're talking about redwood forest and green smells and the smells are all clean uh you know i'm like i must experience this <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite whiskeys is from texas it's uh balcony um i don't know how close you are to, to there but you should definitely check them out uh what was the name again balcony balconies mm-hmm. mm. uh I don't know. I don't think I've heard of it, but uh, there's a lot of liquor out there that I've never heard of. But I love their whiskey. The only, uh, I think the only two whiskeys I have in my uh, TikTok collection right now are Buffalo Trace and Jack Daniels. But standard, okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the collection's building with the help of, like, CW Spirits and, you know, th- this feeling to be present on social media, which is kind of addicting, uh, but, uh, yeah. actually kind of feeds my OCD a little bit, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, you said, uh, you were an ambassador for a while. You, do, do you still do the ambassador work? Yes. So I'm still their brand ambassador slash market manager now. So, um, I, they hired somebody for LA. Um, so I just take care of Southern California. Nice. Like that's a, South Southern California. That's that's a big territory to be covering. Uh, yeah. So you get a lot of miles on your car that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, that's just uh, that's cool. So, uh, what are you uh, what are you doing right now? What are what are the plans that you have going on for the future? Um, I mean, I hope to continue to still work for Humboldt Distillery. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, I get to wear many hats in this position. Um, like, you know, not only do I do sales, but, you know, I do events, staff training, make cocktails for them. So it's never boring. Like, I think if it was just a flat out sales job, I wouldn't be able to stick around. Right. Um, and plus you don't have to deal with as many drunks at least. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Don't miss, I do not miss the late night. I can go to bed at a decent hour. Um, that's a plus. Um, yeah, and then I don't have to really deal with any, yeah, strong customers, basically. <laughs> you have a little bit more time to binge watch your favorite TV shows or something like oh, that? for sure. <laughs> what are you binge watching right now, just out of curiosity? Well, I have to finish Euphoria, um, <laughs> so I, I just finished Euphoria, yeah. yeah. I was I was late to the game on that one. Uh, I haven't watched that yet. Is it good? It's really good. It's addicting. Uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like it at first, but uh, everybody's talking about Zendaya. Is that how you pronounce her name? Zendaya, yeah, yeah. she just won a bunch of Emmys. Yeah, everybody's talking about her right now, and uh, she's amazing and absolutely amazing. Like she deserves all those awards. Oh, uh, I feel uh, I feel a little inadequate now because I just finished watching bin, uh, or binge watching Cobra Kai, but <laughs> 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 but you know, so we don't need to talk about that, but. <laughs> Um, anyway, so we're coming up towards last call, the end of the show. I want to thank you, Megan, so much for being on Hey Bartender podcast. It was great having you on the show. Um, before we, uh, before we get going here, is there like a social media or something like that you would like to alert people to where they can find out more about you, more about Humboldt Distillery, any, any of that stuff? Well, my Instagram 
is um, at Megan Balser, M-E-G-H-A-N-B-A-L-S-E-R. And then you can find Humboldt Distillery um, through their website, um, humboldtdistillery.com, or on Instagram as well. Very cool. Well, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. And I, I look forward to uh, possibly bringing you back maybe uh, when Humboldt bring out, brings out something new. Maybe when they bring out that apple brandy. Apple brandy. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. So uh, thank you very much, and I, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. And that's it, people. That is Last Call for Hey Bartender podcast. Big thanks to Megan Balser for being on the show and telling us about Humboldt Distilleries. Uh, if, remember, if you want to go check them out, all you have to do is look them up on social media, Humboldt Distilleries, or you can go to their website, HumboldtDistilleries.com. Uh, you know, I just got some of their product myself. Can't wait to try it. We're uh, Keep an eye on TikTok, and I'll be doing a little bit of taste test here and there with it. Big thanks, of course, to Laura Hope and the Arctones for their song, Dr. Bartender, that starts off the show. Uh, remember to go check out their music. Uh, they've got a new single coming out pretty soon and I can't wait to hear it cause I love their stuff. Remember you can find Hey Bartender podcast on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of them, uh, are at Hey Bartender podcast. And you can also go to the website and listen to the new episodes or check out some of the Hey Bartender podcast swag, uh, that is www.heybartenderpodcast.com. And remember to visit Country Wine and Spirits. That's cwspirits.com. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can look at on there. You can uh, buy stuff that you probably don't have available in your local liquor store that you absolutely need to try out, such as Humboldt Distilleries, uh, Soda Jerk, uh, definitely Cocktail Caviar. Go to cwspirits.com. Remember to use Hey Bartender 5 at checkout and you get 5% off your order. Plus, any orders after $125 get free shipping. Always, I greatly appreciate you guys for listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. My TikTok account has grown a lot in the last month. I mean, a lot. I'm at 30,000 and I think a month ago I was only at 975. And, uh, you know, you make one video complaining about using a blender and all of a sudden all shit blows, you know, goes to, uh, you know, a lot of people were saying, why don't you just do your job? I did do my job. I made that blended drink for the girl. Doesn't mean I had to like to make the blended drink or uh, clean the, make sure that the blender was clean afterwards. Besides the blender at the bar that I'm thinking about that it sucked and it was, it, it was just a bad blender, but I don't need to explain that to you guys anymore. But also, I'm doing a series on TikTok of uh, strange liquor laws per state. I've gotten about halfway through the United States right about now, and I'm planning on going through all 50. So join me on that little journey. But it is closing time, people. So as usual, thank you for listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. New episodes every Saturday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And as usual, people, I wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's last go? I just got here.